Welcome to the All Nations Church of Luxembourg podcast. Strangely dead. 
Good morning and a warm welcome to this worship service. What a great opportunity together on this new Sunday morning. And we want to invite you to stand up together with us this morning as we sing. And as we look in singing to Jesus, as it says in the old and very famous hymn, Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face. And all the things of this earth grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and his grace.
You may be seated, and grace and peace to you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and welcome to worship at All Nations Church. We're glad that you're here. Um, welcome. Uh, if you're new, uh, if you're old, uh, in any case, welcome. And if, if you are looking to further get connected, I uh, would invite you to stop at the table in the back. Uh, you, you can talk to the person there about ways to get involved, small groups, uh, find a place to serve. You can also sign up for the weekly update. Um, and that goes for everyone. If you don't get the weekly update, it's a great way to stay connected with what's happening here. We've made that even easier now. You can just scan a QR code and get that directly. Uh, one thing to know, if you um, are uh, someone who has kids, there's no children's ministry this Sunday or next Sunday. This is due to the school break. Uh, lots of the teachers are away with their families, and so we take a little pause. However, there is still crush, which you may have noticed, so that's uh, for up to age three in the back. And also, uh, youth will still be meeting this Sunday as normal and possibly next Sunday. We will see about that. Uh, we've been announcing the ladies' getaway, and not surprisingly, uh, there's already well over 50 women who are signed up. So a few things to tell you. Encourage you still, if you would like to come and you haven't yet signed up, go ahead and do that. You can sign up for the wait list because there is still the possibility that spots will become available and then you will get in. Related to that, if you have signed up, we encourage you to go ahead and pay soon to confirm your spot. And if your plans have changed and it looks like you're not going to be able to go, please communicate that so that those who are waiting to possibly go can then find their spot in. So we want uh, whoever wants to be there, whoever can be there to be there, and we're gonna make it possible so that as many women can be there as are able. Next week uh, starts the season of, of Lent, and this is not something that we, we focus on so much at our church, but it's still uh, a time that we're maybe kind of aware of. It's, it's out there uh, in, the, in the, the culture. Actually, we, we, f we follow that calendar uh, that our lives do. So it's, it's just a good reminder as we, we go up to Easter that is this season of 40 days in which we remember Jesus' sacrifice especially, and in the same way that he spent 40 days in the wilderness fasting and praying so we can take on a, a discipline, a prayer, fasting, or, or some other discipline that brings us closer to God. And so I want to encourage you in that season, uh, it's always a good season to do this, but we'll just take advantage of this season, to join a small group. We are offering a, a study, uh, which is kind of Lenten themed, but only sort of. It's looking at six passages which use the word deny. Uh, it's called uh, deny yourself, not God. Uh, the, the scriptures tell us to deny ourselves, not to deny God. And we'll be looking at several passages that lead us in that way. So if you are a member of a small group, the encouragement is to especially try to attend during these six weeks. Let, let's see what happens if we make this extra uh, push, this extra commitment to be there and to be there together. If you're not a member of a small group, uh, this is a great season to get connected with one. Uh, if, if you've been waiting or thinking about that, this is a really good time to do that. Again, speak to me, stop at the table in the back. Also, um, if there is sufficient interest, so if we get critical mass, I will be offering a, uh, a short-term small group myself uh, at the office for six weeks on Tuesdays, starting a week from Tuesday. That would be the 20th of February. So if you just want like a, a short-term thing, 
that's there too. So there's several ways for you, if you're already engaged or if you're not engaged, to enter into this season and to find your small group. would encourage everyone to do that. And if you're just an individual uh, and you can't go to a small group, you can also find this study and follow along. Uh, that's been on the webpage. It's also in the weekly update and elsewhere. Uh, finally, want to... Uh, announced something that's, that's really fun that we've gotten to be a part of the last couple of years. You may remember uh, if you've been here for worship, I think it was in the, the summer, it was July last year, um, I'm not sure the year before, but, but twice now, this uh, choir that Teresia has led, which is uh, largely people with, with uh, multiple sclerosis, but, but others, uh, people with, with physical disabilities, and just anyone who wants to be a part of this experience, there's a choir that forms, and then they get to sing many different places, and then uh, as part of that, they also get to sing here. It's, it's been a great thing to see and to witness. The spirit about it is wonderful, and you have the opportunity to be a part of that. Uh, so if you would like to join this choir that will, uh, will form uh, starting in February, uh, speak to Teresia. Uh, there's also the link to the uh, website for that and the weekly updates so you can learn more. Uh, you don't have to be like a wonderful singer to join this. It's really about the spirit of just wanting to get together with lots of different people and sing and proclaim uh, the gospel uh, along with it. So speak to Teresia. It's a wonderful thing. And uh, we hope to hear and see uh, many people, many voices in that. As we continue to worship, I invite you to stand and to hear these words from Psalm 30 which remind us that we are always in humility and humbleness to cry out to the Lord. To you, Lord, I called. To the Lord, I cried for mercy. Hear, Lord, and be merciful to me. Lord, be my help. You turned my wailing into dancing. You removed my sackcloth and clothed me with joy, that my heart may sing your praises and not be silent. Lord, my God, I will praise you forever.
to receive the offering as a part of our worship. The children are staying with us this morning and we have the youth gather for their time in the back. God, we thank you that the truth is what we have just sung, that you are a humble king, that you are the infinite, uh, eternal God who is so far beyond our imagining and anything that we can comprehend, and yet you come to us as one of us in Jesus, humble, coming as not one to be served, but one who serves and who gives his life away, who pours himself out. God, help us to see you as you are, as this God, not as a God of our making or as the God that we would want you to be, but the God who you are in Jesus as you come to us revealed. We confess that like the the Pharisee in the passage we will read, we so often seek to justify ourselves that we take comfort in our own apparent righteousness. Lord, we, we can even come to church and, and be part of community seeking to exalt ourselves. Lord, forgive us, we pray, and free us to not have to lift ourselves up, but to realize that we, we can actually humble ourselves, that we can lower ourselves in the confidence that you will exalt us. Help us to be like that man who comes before you humble, aware that he's a sinner, and yet throwing himself upon your mercy, confident that you will receive him. Lord, help us to be humble, we pray. 
And just as Christ came looking not to his own interests, but the interests of others, Lord, we pray by your grace that you might make us people for whom this is also true, that we are also like Christ, that we have the same mind that was in him, that we too look not to our own interests primarily, but to the interests of others, that we give ourselves in service to others. We pray for our church in this, this season in which we are focusing more on how we can do outreach and as we're beginning to explore what that might mean and, and, and really to talk about the difficult subject of how do you reach out in a world that doesn't seem to want what we have to share and yet we, we come trusting that, well, they must need this, Lord. Help us to reach out. Give us wisdom and strength and courage to share the gospel in our words, yes, but also to live like Jesus wherever we go. We pray that this would be a desire of our hearts, and also we pray that the gospel would in fact be true enough to us that it's, it really is good news that we want to share. And we do confess that at times, well, it, it doesn't feel maybe like good news, or it feels like old news, or it feels like something stale or maybe not so relevant. We pray even on our own hearts that it would be news that we want to share. And Lord, we, we confess too that we are, we are busy people. Our lives are filled with so many things and, and we feel like, well, we don't have enough time and energy. We feel this way. And in a way it's true, we, we have filled our lives and, and, and often it's, these are good things, these are necessary things. But we pray for inspiration or vision of, of how we might live faithfully, how we might, when we need to reprioritize things, how we might let go of things, how we might, in a, even in our careers and other things, not seek to exalt ourselves, but that we can actually go the other direction and again trust that you lift us up. Lord, help us to seek the things that you seek. Help us to to value the things that you value and to trust that, that what looks like death or what looks like dying or giving up is actually receiving abundance. Lord, we pray that in all things that Jesus might be our guide, that what we see in him might be truer than anything else we know. And we pray this in his name. Amen. Today's reading comes from the book of Luke, chapter 18, verses 9 through 14. Then Jesus told this story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. Two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, and the other was a despised tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I am not a sinner like everyone else, for I don't cheat, I don't sin, and I don't commit adultery. I'm certainly not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give you a tenth of my income. But the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed instead. He beat his chest in sorrow, saying, Oh God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. I tell you this, 
this sinner, not the Pharisee, return home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. This is the word of the Lord. We finished today our series on stories to live by, and I hope that, uh, I hope that you've been amazed by the teaching of Jesus, by the depth, the power um, of the stories that he told, how relevant they are to all of us in our lives today, as well as back in, in the way back in the past. Um, and this story that we have today is a little similar to uh, what, what happened in Luke chapter 7. It's not the same thing, but it's very similar in terms of the themes. You may remember that's the, when Simon uh, the Pharisee has Jesus at his house and a woman comes and anoints his feet with oil and cries at his feet. And, and so there's a lot of similar themes in that uh, that there is in this. And I just want to say also that as I have throughout this series, whenever it's in Luke, I'm, I'm, follow, I'm uh, following very strongly Kenneth Bailey's poet uh, and through peasant eyes. And so uh, if you have that book, you'll, you'll read it and go, oh yeah, I saw that. Paul said that and that's where I get it from. So just so you know, it's always good to quote the sources. The story that is told by Jesus is basically two uh, people that have two traits that he brings out. One is they consider themselves to be righteous. In other words, to be right with God. Uh, and especially on their own terms. So that they're, they're, what they have done, the way they have lived, makes them right before God. And also, they're not just people who see themselves as right before God, but who despise other people. Probably not the group of people we want to join. But you may have found at different times in your life, if you're honest, that you're in that group. You might look around at other people and, and look at them and go, I wouldn't do it that way. I can't believe they're doing that. You know, you might see the practice that you do and the way that you study the word or the way that you help other people and wonder, why don't other people do this? I'm doing things the right way. Why can't others engage in this well? So in some ways, sometimes we, we find ourselves in this group and we may not even realize it. There's two main characters, a Pharisee and a tax collector. And their actions, surprisingly, to, to a significant degree, mirror one another in this. I don't know if you've noticed that as you heard the story. Both go up to the temple um, as a part of the service of, of atonement uh, that happens twice a day. They both stood apart from the, from the rest of the people, the other worshipers that were there. Uh, they both speak what's in their heart. And they both uh, leave um, after the service atonement, now with different results. And this is where things divide and move a little bit differently. One is justified and the other is not. And the surprising thing to those who first listened is who was justified. It was scandalous that the tax collector would walk away justified. The story answers a question for us and for them is how is righteousness achieved? How do you get right with God and stay right with God? And the answer was shocking to the first listeners. It was offensive to them, to an audience. But in a way, the, the question is still relevant to us. And in, in a very typical Jesus way, he doesn't tell this to them to hurt them, although it will. He tells this to them so that it will help them because they're self-deceived. And until they can see clearly, have the opportunity to hear truly where they are at, where they are at with God, they, they won't make a move. They won't change because they're already set. Everything's fine. Why would I change? Because I'm right with God, especially in comparison to every other people. And so Jesus speaks the truth. 
When we first read the story, we might mistakenly think it's about personal prayer. A lot of times we do with this story and the, the story before that comes with this, the parable before this of the, the unrighteous judge and, and the widow who prays and prays is about prayer and is about trusting God for the, in the long haul as you pray. But this is not really about uh, that. It's not really about personal prayer. The setting is, is different than what we might think of as having like you're, you're in your own time of prayer. The setting is the temple. The setting is twice a day when they would come to the temple. Many people would come to the temple and there would be the sacrifice of atonement. It would be a service. Um, and and the, the offering uh, would be on the altar and be burned on the altar for the atonement, the taking away of the people's sin and the restoring them to a relationship with God. It would happen twice a day. The people, of course, would sin and then their sins would be atoned for. And it was in that moment that, that people took advantage of the opportunity to pray because the way to God was open, ever so briefly maybe. But it was open in their minds as they understood this. And, and Hebrews talks about the fact that this sacrifice happened over and over again, but in Jesus it is once and done. Never needing to be repeated again for us. But we see that, that that's kind of what's happening here. That's important for us to understand. And so those gathered use it as a time to bring their petitions to God because that way was open and they could expect that God would hear and answer their prayer. Why is, is it important? It's important in a sense for us to also realize that these two people, this tax collector and this Pharisee, come and they both attend and they both participate in the service. They're both there when all of this is happening, when the atonement of, for sin is happening and when, when everything is cleared up. But they, they walk away and the effect of that atonement isn't felt equally by the two. We might think, and some do think, their, their perspective is if you just come to a service and you're at the service, <clears throat> then you'll be blessed no matter what your attitude and your heart is. And this is a passage that really reflects that is not true. It is an interaction with what God does and what we do that will matter. And that we respond rightly to God and not wrongly to who God is and what he is doing in this. Just being present at the atonement ceremony doesn't make anyone right with God. So first, let's look at the Pharisee. Let's see what, what happens. He comes to this important service with everyone else, but as a sign of his religious superiority, he stands apart from the others, those who've come to worship. And he, he comes because he is different from them. He is already righteous. He has already done what is right. He, he lives in, a, in accordance with God's rules and God's way of, of living. And so he, he already is righteous by his own efforts. And he also doesn't want to be too close to those people because who knows what they've been doing. And especially in Jewish culture and Jewish thought, if you touch someone who was unclean, who was ceremonially or in what they touched or eaten was unclean, you became unclean. So he wanted to make sure that this status that he's worked so hard to have, it doesn't get ruined by contact. And so he stands apart from the group. You could imagine... I mean, it's hard to imagine, isn't it? Where, but, you know, coming to a worship service and someone, I won't come in or I won't, I won't be here because I'm better than you, you know? Um, his prayer, likely said out loud, really is not a prayer, if you look at it. It's kind of a sermon. He's preaching. He's, he's preaching to others who are less fortunate than he is. They get the opportunity to look at a truly righteous person what an opportunity for them to be here, to, to worship, to come to this service and see what it looks like to be in the presence of a really righteous man. 
His prayer, his speech is not normal. It's not a normal prayer. The typical prayer then would be offered first to giving thanks and praise to God for all of his gifts. And then he would, then would move into petition about his needs. But you see none of that in this prayer. It's really not a prayer. It's, it's much more of a sermon. It's a much more of an exhortation. And it's really a boast, isn't it? If you read it, he's exalting himself. He, he's speaking about himself. He's not speaking about God. He's talking about his own righteousness as someone who far exceeds what God requires. We might not get this, but, but the, the uh, Old Testament required the people to fast once a day, once a year on the Day of Atonement. But he fasts, did you notice, twice a week. So I, he's way ahead, right? He's very, very diligent about his fasting, and that was not unusual for many of the Pharisees. And, and he gives a tithe, 10%. Um, and in the Old Testament, it was 10% of your grain and wine and olive oil to God, those main things that you had. But he says he gives a tithe of everything that he has. So imagine you're going out to somebody with coffee, and they get a cappuccino, and you get a cappuccino, and they pull out a little beaker, you know, a little thing that has milliliters on it, and they, they pour in their cappuccino, you know, 100 milliliters. And then they take 10 out, put it to the side, and on the way home, they take it to church and say, here you go, priest. And you go, what's wrong with you, man? Just drink the cappuccino. No, no, I've, I've, I've got to make sure that everything I do, everything I have, everything that comes, Jesus, we talked about recently, critiqued the, the Pharisees and that they, they tithed the mint and the herb, they, they tithed every little thing, but they forgot the big things of justice and mercy. So that's the kind of person that, that we're talking about here. So you can imagine what that might look like in our, in our world. His, his religious performance is exceptional. You know, he's way over the top. Obviously someone who believes that, you know, he's earned a right relationship with God. He is amazing in his own eyes. As he looks at himself, he's awestruck. I had a, a friend in uh, university, I just thought of this, that um, Dave was from West Virginia, and uh, he used to have a song, I don't know if I can remember it correctly, but he said, oh Lord, it's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way. I get up and look in the mirror, I get better looking each day. To know me is to love me, I must be such a, something like a humble guy or something like that, you know. Um, it's, it's that kind of over the top in my own eyes, and he obviously, I think for the most part, was joking when he sang it, but you know. He's amazed at himself, especially in comparison to the tax collector, who also is standing apart. So he judges himself as being exceedingly righteous, exceedingly right in God's eyes. And he despises others he sees at the worship service, especially this, uh, this tax collector, who they would have seen as a robber and a traitor, someone who was a traitor against the nation as they were taking taxes. Um, from the people and giving to the Romans and often took more than they should. So he's making assumptions about this. And then just to be gratuitous, just to add a little extra, he throws in adultery. He has no idea. But he adds it in because it makes the guy really sound really bad. He judges the other's heart even though he doesn't know the heart of the other. And all of this, and I think this is so important to remember, happens in the midst of a service of atonement, where the sins of God's people are being covered over so that they could be restored to God. 
and all of this, he's not God-focused at all. He's not worshiping God at all. He's looking at how well he's done, how great he is. And one of the challenges that you might face, that we face, that people face, is when you're successful in one area or a few areas, you can really think, you know what? I'm pretty great. And you can get the assumption, and this happens to many people, that I'm, I'm great in like every area. Like what I think about what should happen in the Middle East is exactly what would fix everything. And of course, have no idea of the nuances, the challenges, the histories. That doesn't matter. They're so sure of themselves because they've been successful in one area. And they don't see that like all of us, they are failures in other areas. That's where he's at. This service was a way of God providing for people to be cleansed from their offenses against God, their, their sins, and to be reconciled with him. It was a time when, when the relationship was open. So let's look at the tax collector. He stands also apart, far apart from the group. But he does for other reasons. He knows, he knows he is unworthy, as does everyone else there, to join in the group of worshipers. His actions and his words reveal a broken and a humbled man. The posture in, the, in Jesus' day was to stand when you prayed. So that doesn't mean we have to do it, but just so you know. To stand, to cross your arms, and to look down and to pray. That was the posture that was there. And so you can see this, this man using this posture, but he does something strikingly unusual, strange to us, but in that culture it would be really shocking. He beats his breast. That's something that women did. Sorry, this is kind of sexist, but it's true. In that day, that's what women did more often than men. Every once in a while, every once in a while, when deep anger or deep sadness, a man would do that, would beat their breasts, would go, you know, and the reason they did that is because underneath here is what? The heart. And the heart is where all the evil finds itself and then expresses itself out. And so it's one who's, who's saying, this is wrong. This, this part of me is, is not who I should be. There's another place, there's one other place in Luke, in, the, in fact, in the New Testament, where we see this beat of the breasts. And it's in Luke chapter 23, 48, and it gives you the significance of what's happening here. This deep anguish. It's at the end of the crucifixion, it says, and when all the crowd that came to see the crucifixion saw what had happened, they went home literally beating their chests in deep anguish of what is going on, in deep anguish to what the leaders had just done. The man that they hoped or wished or thought was the Savior and the Messiah has been put on a cross. Their hopes are dashed. And they can't hardly express the anguish that they feel. And so they beat their breasts. Jesus explains, shares the story about this man that reveals the deep internal strife that he feels. He cries out for the atonement for his life, the mercy of God to cleanse him and to bring him into a restored relationship with God. And so he's at this service and he's seeing what's being offered that the, the people can be made right. And he says, I want in. I want that. 
The Pharisee is fully aloof, completely oblivious to the service. The tax collector is fully engaged, longing for what is happening here to somehow be applied to him, an unworthy recipient. He pleads, make atonement for me, a sinner. Cleanse me. Restore me, God, to relationship with you. And then the story ends, and there's a reversal. Maybe it's easy to miss, but it's it's very important part of the story. The Pharisee and, and the uh, tax collector, um, it talks about the Pharisee going, going first and then the tax collector. And now at the end of the story, the tax collector is mentioned first as going down. And he is, is the one that God declares right with him, righteous. And uh, the Pharisee comes second. So there's reversal, and that reversal is very much intentional um, to see who has had, who has benefited, who has received, engaged with the reconciliation that God is offering and doing. And it's the tax collector. One is right with God and one is not. The tax collector who came and humbled himself, saw honestly who he was in relationship to the greatness of God, went home declared righteous, Jesus said. But the Pharisee who was sure that he was righteous just added to his sins, added to his alienation from God, whether he realized it or not. It's a shocking story. And it's a shocking ending for the listeners who probably would have aligned themselves more with the Pharisees because remember, these are the people who who were confident in their own righteousness. These were people who despised other people that Jesus is telling the story to. The point of the story is that there is an atoning sacrifice is required, a cleansing and reconciliation from sin, cleansing from sin and reconciliation to God is required for us to be restored to relationship with God. It's not optional. It is required. And that sacrifice for sin is Jesus. That's what the New Testament teaches us. Is, is this pattern of twice a day sacrifice was there so people could say, we need a savior. We need a sacrifice. We need a way to be restored from God. We cannot do it ourselves. And then Jesus comes and says, I am that way. And he went to the cross. And he showed and proved that he was that way. And he rose from the dead. He is the sacrifice for the brokenhearted, for the unworthy, for those who are trusting God to apply his work to their life because they cannot. They need him to be right with God. You know, the Pharisee wasted his time at that worship service, didn't he? He went, showed up. Nothing good happened for him there. He did not receive any of it. He was oblivious to his need for God's atoning sacrifice. The Pharisee misunderstood God, he misunderstood himself, and he misunderstood other people. That's like everything, isn't it? (laughs) There's not a whole lot in between that. Even as he worked diligently to keep God's law, and in certain areas he exceeded it, but he was blind to the more important things. And it's a warning to us, as it is a warning to them, that we can be blind to what is most important. 
It is only through true humility before an exalted and great God that righteousness comes from God to us. It is only through him and only as we're humble. And it is only by way of gracious and merciful sacrifice of Jesus that we can be made right with God. Those are two onlys. We have our part to humble ourselves where we belong, to, to be honest with God about where we are at, not to look around and say, well, I'm better than this person, I'm better than that person. Who cares? Who, whoever said that was the score? <laughs> and yet we do it all the time. But to see who God is, to see who I am, and say, I need you. I need what you have. And that Jesus is the one that we need. What kind of person can be right with God? This story tells us anyone, anyone who comes in humility, whose eyes are on their own heart and not speculating about the hearts of other people out there, who are aware of their own unworthiness in the presence of a great and exalted God and who grabs hold of Jesus as their only source of rightness with God, their only basis for a relationship, their only hope. No matter how we came into this worship service this morning, there was only one way to go out, right? We may come, have come in feeling pretty good. We may have had a great week. We may have done some great things, and that's all great. But when we hear this story, there's only one way to leave and know that we are living in that right relationship with God, and that's by humility. Remembering what we didn't do remembering how much we need the sacrifice of Christ, remembering that we need to confess our sins and again say, Lord, thank you that you paid the price for me. So let us leave today like the tax collector, trusting God in confidence in his atonement, in Jesus Christ, and in humility let us go and let us exalt him, God, and let us say, you are great. And let us work that we can serve him rather than serve ourselves. And exalt him rather than exalt ourselves. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray? Father, we thank you for this story as we have for each of the stories. Father, we pray that you would open our hearts to, that we can see ourselves whether it be that we think we're righteous or whether we are judgmental of other people. Lord, help us be reminded that we are not alone in that, but we are your people that are called to a different way of living and walking, and that requires a transformation. It requires an awareness that we need to humble ourselves, that we have good reason to humble ourselves, especially before you. We thank you that... We don't have to rely upon a service every day, twice a day, but that we can rely upon Jesus. And Father, I pray that if there's anyone here that has been seeking to have their rightness with you be made through their own actions, that you would turn our hearts away from that path because we see it's disaster. And instead, turn us to Jesus who makes us right with God and who leads us on a path of restoration. We ask this in his name. Amen.
We invite you to stand up and to sing a new song with us today. It's called I Am, and it's a great opportunity to do what Paul has just invited us to do, to look to Jesus in our lives. Speak love and truth 
these last words that Jesus said in verse 14. I tell you, the sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. Go knowing that the God who is exalted has come to you in love and has restored you to him through Jesus Christ and wiped away all of your sin. And the Spirit is in you to lead you into this new way of living and thinking and loving and serving and caring. Go with that knowledge. Go and live that life as a disciple of Christ. Amen. Thanks so much for being here today. Have a great week of following Christ in your life.
Thanks for listening. For more information, please visit allnationschurch.com.